Hello, and welcome to What Is My Podcast About. This is the podcast where we sit down on a fortnightly basis and talk about shit. You know, that's how we do. I don't know if I should be swearing this early into the podcast, but fuck it, I am. Uh, hello, my name is Peter Agerly. Uh I am the host, well, one of them, and I'm joined, as always, by Keith Ramsey. Hey. And we're joined once again by Thomas Sean Sheehan, however you want to pronounce it. Um, was that all? Fuck that! Yeah. Oh shit, Matthew. Fuck you, Thomas. Leave. Matt, welcome back. Matthew Grace, favorite Hi. host, best what? host. Um, normally I'd say seven quippy, but I don't know if I can argue. Mm, I certainly can, but I'm not going to. Awesome. I'm just too tired to argue. <laughs> I'm happy. This is joy that I'm feeling in my life again. I forgot what it felt like. Um. Is anything I, important I can, happening I can in the world? Or... Oh, no, God, no. Never leave again. Um... Damn it. <laughs> What's going on in the world, Keith? <laughs> well, uh, I didn't engage with too many new things as I was traveling a bit uh, over the last couple weeks. Uh, but uh, I'm a bit weird when it comes to planes because I get excited, not because I'm flying or I'm traveling, but this is my chance to normally catch up on movies I didn't get a chance to watch. Sure. Uh, so for the uh, yeah, there's four movies that were on my list that I got to see for the first time, and those were Yesterday, The Suicide Squad, One Night in Soho, and Gunpowder Milkshake. Gunpowder uh, Milkshake. I've heard about every other movie aside from that one that you listed. I'm in a similar boat to Matt. I've seen every other one of those movies except for Gunpowder Milkshake. That one. Oh my god! It stars fucking Karen Gillian. Yeah, Karen Gillian and Lena Headley, and uh, they're a mother and a daughter who are assassins, or hitmen, I guess, for uh, this group called The Firm. And it's a hyper-stylized, like, action movie, which has a lot of really funny, uh, like, action sit pieces. Uh, Paul Giamatti is also, like, the accountant for The Firm. Michelle Yeoh is in this movie. Jesus. It's, like, very stacked and amazing, and... It's one of those movies that, looking at it, you think, oh, this is like a really shitty movie, or it's going to be, but it's so stylized and B-movie set up that like, it's actually really fun to watch through. No, so can we do an episode of this in the future sometime? I would I would actually highly recommend it if we can. There's an amazing scene where uh, Karen Gillian's character, Sam, gets injected with this thing in her arms, and uh, this is after she killed a man, and the character's daughter is now following her around and she has to fight off three assassins and a doctor without the use of her arms. So they get the duct tape, a gun and a knife to her hands. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Fuck it. We're absolutely doing a uh, podcast about that. Yeah. It, it's a movie that came out last year, but I unfortunately had to uh, like, just didn't get a chance to pick it up. It was in the summer, uh, but it was, it was on the airplane. I was like, Oh hell yeah. And I watched it and it was a beautiful. Okay. I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, as I do, uh, I watched uh, One Night in Soho, which I thought was going to be one of those like iffy movies, but once again, Edgar Wright has delivered, and it was amazing, because it also has like a what-the-fuck twist ending, which is beautiful. Oh yeah, 100%. I, that's absolutely one of those movies I went into thinking, like, it's Edgar Wright, so I'll watch it, but I don't have high hopes based on what I've seen of it. Actually watching it, it was a fantastic fucking movie. Yeah, I, I, uh not to spoil anything, but it seems like it's like a supernatural movie at the beginning, a supernatural like drama, and it quickly turns into like a murder thriller. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, The Suicide Squad, which I'm ashamed that it took me this long to watch it, and I loved it. Fucking that. That's the um, the new one, not the old one, right? Yeah. The old one. Okay, yeah, the, the old Suicide one is, Squad. Yeah, the old one's Suicide Squad. This one is The Suicide Squad by James Gunn. James Gunn, that's the name I was looking for. Um, yeah, this one was also fucking delightful. It's very fun and colorful throughout the entire movie. Uh, you have uh, King Shark. That's not his fucking name. What's his name? It is King Shark. Oh, it is King Shark. Fuck, why was I thinking it was something else? Um... We have King Shark in it, and every line he fucking says is just pure comedy gold. Um, I don't know. I thoroughly enjoyed that movie as well. Oh, 100%. And the fact that 
I think James Gunn is more willing to take risk in his movies and that because that this movie was much more in line with what the Suicide Squad is because characters die in the Suicide Squad and the last one didn't give us that. And also, he fixed everything that was wrong about Rick Flagg. Yeah. One of the things I found fucking flabbergasting is I was talking to someone after uh, this movie first came out and they happened to see it in theaters before I did. Um and they were complaining and said they were considering leaving like 10 minutes in because everyone like gets to the beach and then everyone just fucking dies within the first five to 10 minutes. And they're like, man, it's just weird to do that in a movie. And I'm like, it's a fucking suicide squad movie though. It makes perfect sense for them to do that shit. That fits very well with what suicide squad should fucking be. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, absolutely. Another, Top-notch film. Yeah, and the last one I saw was yesterday, and it was okay. Uh, that is also what I have seen before, <laughs> and it's it's a weird one. Matt, are you, you're familiar with yesterday, right? Uh, maybe. Uh, what's the it's, plot of that one? It's the movie where Buddy wakes up one day, and all of the Beatles' music oh, and yeah. history has just been erased from time, and he yeah, I'm familiar. is the Beatles from that point onwards. Yeah, there, there yeah. was really only one joke that actually made me like laugh out loud. And that was when he's on the plane, because we find out earlier that Coca-Cola doesn't exist. And he's on a plane with a bunch of rock stars, and the stewardess comes up to him and is like, what would you like? And he's like, can I get some Coke? And she looks horrified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, another scene I... Like, the movie had its moments. One of the scenes I was uh, quite fond of, just because it's exactly how it would go down if this ever happened in real life, was uh, the main character trying to... Going through the Beatles backlog and rewriting all the songs, and one of the songs he tries to release is Hey Jude, and all the studio executives essentially force him to change it to Hey Dude, because no one's called Jude anymore, and it's just, like, yeah, that's 100% what would happen, to the point where later on we find out that there's a couple other people who also remember the Beatles. Uh, It's never explained exactly how it happened, Uh, but these couple of other people, um, like... I address him like, thank you so much for bringing it back. We can't perform music, so we assumed it was just lost to the world forever, so we appreciate you doing this. But also, what the fuck is Hey Dude? What were you doing there? What was that fucking bullshit? You see, Uh, my my biggest problem, and I think the reason the movie didn't work for me, is because the implication of this movie is that without the Beatles existing, uh, Ed Sheeran is the best musician to ever exist. Well, that's just a factually accurate uh, statement. Because Ed Sheeran is Ed Sheeran is the best musician to have ever existed. Even with the Beatles existing, Ed Sheeran's still the best. I'm sorry, <laughs> Keith, but you're wrong. Also, mm. uh, the movie I, I will give it credit. I uh, the ending I did not uh, normally with movies like this. I'm good at calling what the ending is, and I did not call it correctly. I thought the ending because the other joke we end up finding out is that Wonderwall also doesn't exist. Yes. Uh, and uh, in the movie, before everything gets erased, we find out that he played Wonderwall, and that's what made the girl fall in love with him, and I thought that was the final song he was going to play to win her back. Yeah, that is kind of what it felt like it was leading to. Because they just put that joke out there, it just never paid it off. Yep. So that was well, one of the last few weeks. That's fair. Uh, watching not super recent movies. Exactly. I like it. I was catching up. Uh, to be fair, I do that shit all the time. Even with movies I've already seen, I will just go back and rewatch like mediocre films I've watched before out of essentially boredom. So I can't really judge you for watching mediocre films. Well, actually, a bunch of good films and one mediocre film that you haven't seen before. <laughs> uh, can't judge you in the slightest. Fair. Well, I think that's enough preamble. Uh, we all know what we want to talk about today. Um, we're all do intimately we really familiar with us, though. Yes, we do. I actually really do. Uh, you're in the minority here, Matt, and you're uh, going to have to learn how to live with that fact now that you're back to the podcast. Um, all right. You're my favorite host, but you're still voted. You're worth two, one and a half votes. It's just there happens to be two votes against you. Uh, so today, for those of you who haven't read the title of this podcast, we are going to be talking about... Drummo, please. Thank you for the drum roll. I don't know why I expected the drum roll this time. Uh, <laughs> cop rock. I, I, the only thing I can say about this was, holy shit. 
Yeah, I'm going to be honest. When we decided we were going to talk about Cop Rock, you know, because of the email we got requesting we talk about Cop Rock, that's why we're talking about Cop Rock during January. It's yeah, just that was an email. A, a fan suggestion. And do we want to call it that fan name there, uh, Peter, that you have in front of you? Uh, yeah, give me less than 30 seconds because I definitely had it in front of me and I'm not looking it up right now. Yeah, this is the sound of uh, reading. This is reading. I'm really, I'm a really fast reader, guys. Uh, yeah, it must be a really long name. <laughs> I tried to pull it up. I'm gonna level with you guys. It I had to pull it up. Like you're stalling. <laughs> I tried to pull it up on my phone, but I had to recently replace my phone, so my phone doesn't have access to any of the Wimpa accounts. So I couldn't actually check the email there. But I pulled it up on my computer, uh, and I'll figure out how to reconnect Wimpa to my phone in the future. <laughs> Matt Laprade, that is the person who recommended this topic. Matt Laprade, 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 however you want to pronounce it. It's us pronouncing it, and he's not here to correct us. So that's the correct way to pronounce it. Well, I look forward to him never reaching out again because of that. <laughs> I look forward to him not talking to us in person ever again, if he ever has in the past, because, you know, he's a normal fan and definitely not just a friend who records. <laughs> um, fuck. Hopefully he just doesn't listen to our podcast, which would be a weird thing for a fan to do, since he's clearly a fan. <laughs> but he does listen to our podcast. We've talked to him about it. Oh, it's true. We have. Oh, fuck. Oh, this is already off to such a bad start, which is a shame, because it's going to be such a good episode. All right, <laughs> such a so... bad coming back for Matt. I'm sorry, Matt. You probably expected some level of professionalism when you returned, but in case you forgot, I have um, zero of we that. Just got worse. I'm, quickly, I'm quickly remembering all of the uh, professionalism that we had before. Do you know where we left it? Because I can't find any of it anymore. <laughs> uh, all right, so, Cop Rock. Uh, before we talk about Cop Rock, let's just quickly uh, go around the circle and decide what, well, not decide, but declare whether or not we enjoy Cop Rock. I'll go first. Cop Rock's amazing, and anyone who doesn't enjoy Cop Rock is wrong. Keith, what's your opinion? So I started watching this thinking, oh, this is just going to be something stupid but fun to watch in the background. And I quickly found myself saying through multiple episodes, how did this not become popular? Yeah, so to go a little bit back, I want. So you recently left for like a four week trip. It wasn't four weeks, it was an amount of time trip to Brazil. Um,. And my plan was to watch Cop Rock over the course of your trip, like an episode a day, and specifically to put it on the background while I was studying and shit. I watched the first episode while studying. I then stopped, watched the first episode again, giving it my full attention, and then watched the entire series binged on the first day. Um, that was my experience with Cop Rock, because this show is, it's a whole thing. Yeah, um, that was pretty much my situation, too. It's like, oh, I'll watch this here and there, and then, nope, I binged the whole thing. All right, Matt. It's a whole thing, indeed. I got through a whole one episode. Because, uh, you know, some recent game releases you may have heard of, Monster Hunter Rise and Pokemon Legends of Arceus, have been eating up my free time ever since I've been freed from work. Fair. And, uh, you know, I figured, you know what, uh, just a couple days ago, I was like, yeah, I'll start watching this. And, uh... Yeah, got through one episode. I'm like, uh, mm, do I want to watch this or do I want to play more Pokemon? And, and the answer uh, was... Pokemon won out. Gotta say. Gotta admit that. That's fair. I'm okay with that. <laughs> it doesn't make me happy, but it doesn't make me sad. Well, I do have to admit, with the musical aspects of this show and the few songs that I did hear in the first episode, the singers are on point with their songs. Yeah. Not gonna lie. But it just doesn't seem right somehow. That's, it all just seems out of place. That's fair, I suppose. Um, you see, uh, I, I want to mention something here, and I think this is the problem that Matt had and the reason I ended up loving it so much. So there's like five plot lines that are going through this series, and like three of them are very dark and gritty storylines, which is the main storyline, which has to do with the death of Weeks. Yep. Uh, when mm. Vince, uh, Vincent kills him. But the other side stories, like the one about the uh, babies being kidnapped and resold, and specifically the mayor and chief of police story, are so fucking out there crazy that I 
for a second, thought I was watching something made by David Lynch. And I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. It is honestly fucking nuts. I'll be honest. So yeah, the like main storyline... Um, actually, before we even get into the storyline, the thing about this fucking show is when you hear the premise of it's a police procedural that's also a musical, you kind of tend to imagine it's going to be pretty campy and silly. Uh, and then take into consideration the fact that the show was cancelled after what? It was aired twice? One season. One season, 11 episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is... that fucking ending, by the way? <laughs> yeah. Um... So, the, uh... You can kind of go into it with an expectation that it's just going to be a very silly show, but... It's not. It's a show that takes itself very fucking seriously that also just kind of happens to be a musical. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the key details behind that that you maybe don't realize at first is this was fully made by a... Uh, it was originally started as, uh, I think, a musical uh, on Broadway um, that they wanted to convert into a TV show. Uh, and so that's kind of how it started was the idea of it just being a Broadway musical being produced on the TV. Yeah. So and, uh, it was never actually a Broadway musical. Uh, Stephen Basho, I believe is the person who wrote it. Uh, I might be wrong on that. Cause that might yeah, just created be- by Stephen Basho. Yeah. Uh, and William wanted- M. Finkelstein. Yeah. So they kept trying to bring a police procedural to Broadway and it never worked. So they in turn decided, fine, I got a police procedural to make on show. I'm going to bring on like TV. I'm going to bring Broadway to it. Right. Yeah. So it started as buddy wanting to make a Broadway musical about a police procedural. And when it kept not working, he just decided to make a police procedural. That was a Broadway musical. Um, So it doesn't come across as musical for the sake of being silly. It comes across as someone who enjoys making musicals, making a proper fucking police procedural. So also, I want to point out that uh, just to give some credit to these people, uh, they're responsible for other popular shows uh, such as uh, Doogie Howser, L.A. Law, and NYPD Blue. So <laughs> they, they know what yeah, they're doing. They 100% know what they're doing, and they know how to make a very serious fucking TV show. Although I feel weird saying that when talking about Doogie Howser, but whatever. Um, yeah, so... The show itself takes itself very seriously, covers very serious uh, subject matter like police brutality, fucking uh, child slavery? That feels like the wrong phrase, but they kept referring to it as slavery. Child trafficking, that's the word. Trafficking? Yeah. Uh, Uh, Drug addiction? Racial bias in the police? Prison overcrowding? Like, they cover serious fucking material. Yeah, Uh, the the last two are like prostitution and rape. Yeah, I kind of didn't want to say the R word, but I guess we have now. So yeah, they also, there are multiple episodes about rape, because uh, one of the earlier episodes also involves a woman who was raped during a home invasion, um, and then it's revealed that she wasn't actually raped, it was her boyfriend who was doing the home invasion. It's a whole fucking thing. Um, but yes, and then the last one involves a serial artist. Uh... I just don't like saying the word. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so it's very dark and serious subject matter, um, but told through the lens of a musical, which musicals are allowed to do. Yep, and I think I saw a piece of an interview with the the producer or the writer who says one of the reasons he thinks it probably failed is because right at the beginning, the opening scene is uh, just a dark, gritty action-packed police raid yeah that literally like 20 seconds into it opens up into a musical yeah yeah and so he feels that they just kind of opened up on one foot and then quickly threw an unsuspecting right hook at the audience which honestly if if musicals aren't your thing if you can get past the musical it's actually a really good story yeah yeah and you can kind of see how that effect mm -hmm. happened because if you look at the ratings for the episodes the first episode by far had the highest rating and the highest viewership, and it just started to fall off real hard after that one, because people probably watched the first episode, probably didn't even watch the full episode, watched like the first half of the first episode, and just were put ill at ease and stopped watching. And boy, did that first episode take me on a freaking emotional roller coaster? because it starts off like, wait, 
is that Ernie Hudson? And he was only there for the pilot, unfortunately. Although Osborne yeah. is probably one of my favorite characters. Yes. It could have been so much better as Ernie Hudson, though. Uh, but yeah, so let's, I guess, kind of start with the plot a little bit. Um, so first episode uh, follows a couple varying plot points that all kind of come together. But the main story is a police raid and uh, they arrest four people um, in a drug raid. Uh, and the two of the men in the group don't end up going to jail because the prisons are overcrowded and the judge can't seem to justify sending them to jail. Uh, when With the, the little bit of evidence that they did find. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the women are fully sent to jail because there's prison overcrowding issue in the female jail, uh, which is already setting up some interesting standards about how it's clearly not an issue of evidence or uh, right. It's a matter of what they have the capacity to do in the jail. Uh, and that ends up being a tingling thing of double standards and all that shit. Anyways, um, the next day, uh, or not the next day, but a little bit later on in the episode, uh, they end up chasing what appears to be a stolen van. The cops do. Uh, and one of them gets shot by a fucking Uzi from one of the passenger in the car. Uh, and it's determined that it was one of the two gentlemen who was let go earlier on because they didn't have room in the jail to hold them Tyrone uh, on Weeks. bail. Tyrone Weeks. Yeah. And so uh, I guess the police call on uh, the mayor to build a new prison. And the mayor... The issue. Uh... The mayor, who, as a later plot point reveals, is incredibly ugly, uh, yeah. agrees that the jail needs to be built and decides to promises to build it on that land and name it after the police officer who was shot dead uh, by Tyrone Weeks. Yeah, I don't remember the officer's uh, name, but his partner is Franklin Rose, who is one of the major characters of the story. Mm. Yeah. But I have to say, the like... Again, the mayor storyline is so disconnected from everything else in this show because her plotline is literally she wants to run for the Senate, but she's too ugly. So she it's all about her getting like uh, like plastic surgery and falling in love with the chief of police. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about her plotline for a second. So in, uh, I think it's episode two or three. It might actually be as early as episode two. Uh, people approach her and they're like, hey, we want you to run for Senate. Uh, listen to these people, they've run campaigns, they've got other people into the Senate in the past. She's like, yeah, sure, I'd love to run for the Senate. Uh, and then, these two gentlemen walk into her room, and they're like, hey, so we've done a bit of polling, and the general opinion on you is that you're a good leader, but you're just incredibly ugly. And she's like, oh, that's kind of hard to hear. Am I too ugly for the Senate? And he, the gentlemen are like, yes, absolutely. But here's the name of a plastic surgeon who will make you less ugly. And then that's like, her plot is her going to the plastic surgeon, getting plastic surgery, and then becoming beautiful, uh, to the point where there's a later scene in one of the, uh, I think it's episode five or six, like, the middle of the season, where the uh, chief of police, uh, has been tasked with accompanying the mayor to a political event, uh, and, like, to act as her security or some shit for the event, um, and he's standing in her office looking at an old portrait of her, talking about how she's very dog-faced and not at all attractive. And then she walks in on him talking about her, and she's like, Chief, are you ready to go? And he's like, sorry, I'm waiting for the mayor. I don't know who you are. And she just kind of like smiles coyly at him, and he's like, oh my god, are you actually the mayor? But you're attractive. I don't understand. It's, oh, it's a whole fucking thing, man. And another point that really caught me off guard in the first episode with the mayor is that after the whole uh, police funeral and the decree that she was going to have the new prison built she's uh in like one of the next scenes she's talking with i guess the contractors who are going to build the prison and one of them just offers her a briefcase of money yep yeah, she's which, the one is the song number yeah she is the one yeah it just seemed like weird. I know their point was to get across that she's a corrupt politician, but Which never comes up again. By the way, yeah. yeah like, so like, I mean, like in sure, all eleven yeah. episodes, it never comes up again. She takes a bribe once at the beginning, and then the rest of it is about her joining politics. But she's doing everything by the book. Yeah, that was it's one of the literally... problems I had because I watched the first episode and I read the synopsis of the rest of the episodes because 
I really wanted to see if they uh, continued that plot point, but no, they just dropped it by the wayside. And they didn't even say why they were giving her the money for the bribe. It was just like, hey, here's some money. I was like, okay, sure. I and think yes, it was so that, that he is have a little rights. Yeah, you can you can assume that, but even still, oh yeah, it's like just follow the plot point through. Don't give a potential storyline and then just drop it by the wayside and not even mention it again. Unfortunately, there is a few of that coming on in the series. To be fair, I feel like this time at least, uh, it might be related to the fact that the first episode was the pilot, and so. Really? Whenever you have a pilot for a show, some plot lines get dropped or changed. Like already the ones that you think will like gather more audience attention. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's an unfortunate fact that this one just happened to work out in that way. And uh, I think it's a little unfortunate that they decided to drop the corrupt politician plot line for the in exchange for an ugly, uh, the ugly to uh, <laughs> plastic surgery plot line because for a gritty police show. You'd think they'd want to focus on crimes both of the obvious, like, villainy, drug-dealing, human-trafficking sort, but also of the seldom-seen political side. To be fair, they yeah, do no. uh, do plot lines about corrupt officials, but it's not involving her later on. Mm. Yeah, it is a bit of a shame, you're right. Uh, it would fit a little bit better if it happened to be... Um, if they followed that plot line through the series just because of how the show is set up. it They could have done something interesting with that. Um, but yeah, in this particular case, I'm willing to forgive it just where it is a pilot. And I always assume after a pilot, things are going to change. Uh, one thing I want to point out from the first episode, aside from Ernie Hudson, that is, uh, that also kind of like, I just started losing it laughing because how stupid it was, was uh, in the court trial later on, the He's Guilty song. <laughs> when the yes. judge is talking about it, like they, when they start singing, I'm fine. Okay, I'm expecting this a musical. Mm -hmm. When the judge just goes, "I want to thank my wife," and she's there in the crowd, she just starts waving, like, "What the fuck?" Yep. <laughs> See, the thing I take issue with that is every other point throughout the show where someone starts singing, it feels like it fits within universe. It's either someone having like a soliloquy about how they love their wife, or uh, the other time where it's like very clear that someone's singing in character is. Uh, the politician who's running for governor um, that LaRusso is working as like a security during his event. Uh, he gets the band to start yeah. playing and he starts singing about campaigning. Like that would make sense. This one I was very confused by when he was yeah. they were singing that he's guilty because the judge like straight up points to the bailiff. He's like, play me a beat. And he starts like <laughs> flipping over the table, pulls out a keyboard, starts playing. Yeah, music. Like, literally. I almost forgot that I was watching a musical. Then all of a sudden, he just lifts up the lid of the table, and there's a keyboard in it. Yep, uh, uh, another one that, I, and I go, I know this is a dream sequence, but the hear the doggy one with the chief of police, where he's just running through LA on a horse. Oh yes, and people oh. are just because I know it's a dream sequence. It's supposed to be oh, he's like imagining like oh, this better life. But people in his own dream are looking at him like he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> you kind of get the feeling that they didn't actually pay extras to be there they just filmed him riding through the streets on a horse and got legitimate people's actual reactions to that happening yeah just had ronnie cox <laughs> like you're gonna ride a horse through town and just point at people oh god uh yeah so what other issues did you have with this matt so i can talk about why you're wrong and how the show's <laughs> fucking fantastic <laughs> Actually, aside from that, I didn't really have too many issues with the first episode. Fair. It's just mainly the whole, I guess, the whole package of the very campy musical meeting the gritty and very real like Fuck. cop drama that it was. That's uh, oh yeah, there, there's oh, uh... one detail that I uh, I absolutely hate it. Like, sure, I can understand it to a degree, but even still, as one of the other characters that uh, we have a plot point going forward with was Patricia Spence, the drug addict with her baby. Yep. Yep. She goes to the police office several times, is offered to get uh, put into a program to help with her addiction, 
but she refuses every time because they'll take away her baby and uh, put the baby in a foster home while she's in rehab. Because her whole thing is she's adamant on keeping her baby with her because she loves her baby and doesn't want to be parted with the child. Yeah, I think that was more of trying to get across that. That she's addicted and needs help. But yeah. But she goes to the police station offering false evidence just to get some money, and she's upset that she can only get $50 out of it. And then... It's like, she's so adamant throughout the entire episode that she is going to keep her baby and will do everything in her power to make sure her baby stays with her. And then at the end of the episode, or near the end of the episode, we have her selling her child for 200 bucks. Yeah, I, I really think that was more to get across the fact of how addicted she was, that like uh, her giving up her baby was like the thing that she would never do, and that she was so addicted that when she had to, she did, essentially. Yeah, I know, but still, it just seemed kind of forced. Fair. It's like that that level of, I guess, whatever they did. Uh, I can see how you would take issue with that. It did feel a little bit rushed, but I think it was one of those ones where it was trying to talk about addiction uh, and how that is a serious problem and people who have addictions will make choices that don't make sense and don't fit with who they are as a person. Like People who are addicted will sell things that they used to love in order to get another hit of that sweet, sweet jungle juice or whatever the kids are calling drugs these days you see the Uh, important thing about this whole scene regardless of plot is it gives us the best part which is glenn the baby merchant yeah 100 percent. i am willing to accept every sin that this show has uh if it leads to uh baby merchant the song because that is a hundred percent the best part of this entire fucking look he's going to a nice place see look there's a baby seat (laughs) i mean if that's how you deem nice places my house is horrible. <laughs> hey, if uh, baby seats is all it takes for a host to be a good host, then apparently my house is fantastic. I don't want to address why that statement's true, so we're just going to move past it and talk more about the baby merchant. Mm. I can get behind that. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it's a, there's a couple of thoughts that go into it. So there's the fact that she's an addict and she's selling her baby for drug money. I think there's also the fact that she recognizes that she's not the best mother at times uh, because of some of the choices she makes. And I think internally, it's probably not actually true, and it's probably not how she feels, but the way she justifies it to herself is probably that the people who are buying the baby, given that they're spending several thousand dollars for a baby, are probably going to take care of the baby and not going to neglect it for drugs. Um, I'm not saying it justifies selling your baby. I'm just saying I could see how she could justify it to herself that she was making a good decision for the baby. Also, was I the only one that found it funny that the drug addict had a baby named uh, Crystal? No, I fully fucking laughed when that reveal happened. When she first picked up her baby and said, Oh, Crystal, mommy's back! And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, she absolutely named her baby after Crystal Meth, didn't she? Gotta admit, now I'm a little upset that that one flew right over my head. <laughs> I expected you to notice that before anyone else, Matt, to be honest. No, that's why I'm upset. But yeah, uh, the, the whole baby selling baby merchant stuff is uh, one of the few side stories. And this is kind of the main one for uh, Vicky and Andy, the partners that totally want to fuck but can't. I would say even more so than Vicky and Andy, although it does progress their storyline as well. The main relationship it develops is the uh, Vicky and Patricia uh, relationship. Because we get throughout the earlier episodes... Sorry, I had to hiccup there. Uh, We get throughout the earlier episodes, Patricia coming to Vicky, and Vicky clearly wanting to do right by Patricia, because she recognizes she's a mother who's trying to do right, but keeps doing wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd say this is more so the development of that relationship, because it leads to... Uh, Patricia in jail and blaming Vicky for doing nothing right by her and then Vicky complaining to the captain uh... Hollander 
Colander, thank you. I kept wanting to say Homelander, but that's a completely <laughs> different series. Um, yeah, so uh, Holander. Uh, and uh, going to him and complaining about the fact that they were letting Glenn the baby merchant off with immunity while Patricia, who sold the baby, uh, was getting a very significant sentence in jail for slavery, as they kept saying. So, it was a lot of developing different characters, even if it maybe wasn't a little bit rushed to get there. That's fair. But yeah, uh, this the subplot doesn't really do much for like the story itself in a weird way, I would say. It's just kind of there. Uh, the subplot I'm a big fan of is when, uh, before LaRusso goes to, uh, jail the, uh, well, not even goes to jail. I guess he's technically in jail on bail. He's in jail for a bit because, like, there's a whole thing where he pretty much does the, I'm not stuck in here with you, uh, spiel. Yeah. Uh, you may beat me up today and leave a little bit of my blood on the floor, but I will sharpen a toothpick into a shiv and stab you in the fucking eye. Or maybe I'll wait for you to go free and then I'll find you in your home in front of your wife and slit your throat while she watches. That fucking line. Yeah. Uh, LaRusso goes hard from what I can tell. Yeah. Anyways, um, before he goes... It's kind of wild that he also gets away unpunished at the end. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking nuts, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, the plotline of him where he's been spending months building up to a big drug bust on these drug dealers. Um, and then it gets taken away by Holander at the last minute, who like tells him not to do it. He goes ahead with it, shows up at the bust, and he's like, yo, detective, fuck off, I need to talk to you. Which is fair, he's uh, technically going against his captain's orders right there. Um, but then... Like, LaRusso determines that he really wants to make a drug bust, even if it's not going to be the big drug bust. So he just tracks down a random drug dealer in a strip club and offers to sell his, uh, air quotes, wife, the stripper, uh, to him for some cocaine. Uh, and, oh, it's just, oh, it's a whole fucking thing. Well, the wild thing about this, too, is that, the like, like the girlfriend, wife, or whatever she is, just disappears after this. <laughs> like, we never get, like, any, yeah. like, follow-up, like, you know, oh, she left her. She doesn't even get mentioned again. Yeah, so I, my understanding is that she's his girlfriend, and he just used the wife line because of how she reacts when she gets referred to as a wife later on. But yeah, she straight up never appears in the story again, and is very quickly replaced by uh, one of his lawyers who he starts sleeping with after she pays his bail. Um, that also... I don't know, man. Larissa is just a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Imperfect character. Yeah. Uh, you definitely, like, the, the main dynamic of the show is kind of like the cat and mouse game between him and Hollander. And yes. I'd say probably one of my problems with this is they very much set Hollander up to be like the whatever it takes for justice uh, character, but that seems to be very inconsistent. <laughs> See, the way I kind of read it, um, because I'm a nerd, uh, I read it in D&D terms, so I consider LaRusso to be, like, the chaotic good character in that he does whatever's going to create the most good in the world, regardless of uh, whether it's right or wrong, societally speaking, so, like, shooting Weeks after the bust had been failed, and he knew Weeks was going to get away scot-free uh, after that, even though he had absolutely killed a cop. So he decides to shoot him. That's him deciding, like, I need to do what's going to be best for the world, even if it's not best for me. Meanwhile, Holander, I get the feeling that he's just, like, full-on lawful neutral, and, like, I don't care what's right or wrong. I care about what the law says to do, and that's what we're going to do here. To the point where, like, he fully believes in uh, arresting Patricia Spence for selling her baby and letting fucking... Glenn the baby merchant get away because he's willing to sell other people out until his wife talks him into uh, yeah. getting Patricia uh, fucking out of it as well. So I don't know. That's just how I interpret it. it is they have different ideals of what's right and wrong between the two of them and it's kind of a moral debate between them in the form of a show. Yeah, it's just like uh, that's definitely what it was meant to be. I felt like they just did a poor job of explaining it at the beginning. Yes. Uh, and, and I think the big sell on like, what his character is is in the final episode when he catches the rapist. Yes. 
Yeah, because in that scene, it's like, oh, you two go out and arrest him no matter what you can to get him into the precinct. And then they bring the victim in, who's like, oh, no matter what, I can identify him. Because at this point, they found out who it was, but they had lost the evidence because of pretty much the same problem that happened in the first episode. And then yeah, happened to walk him through the room as she's there. He's like, that's the guy! Also, I could be wrong, but wasn't it the same fucking person who fucked up the bust at, in the last episode as who fucked it up in the first episode? No, so where... the person who screwed up the bust in the first one was Gaines, who ended up becoming Rose's partner. Oh, that was Gaines? I didn't even fucking realize that was Gaines. Yeah, it was Gaines. Oh, Gaines is a fantastic character, yeah, by the way. I, I, love I Gaines. fucking loved Gaines. Uh, yeah, because Gaines, he was a homicide detective or whatever, and he got demoted down to beat cop because of it. Fucking the bus. Oh. And that's why it was paired with Rose. Right. Oh, fuck. That's fucking funny. Oh. Also, I'm going to say the show kept me guessing enough that I couldn't tell if characters were going to be killed off. And I was like, oh, God, I hope not, because Gaines was definitely the character that was going to get killed off if they did. Oh, 100%. The way Gaines kept getting involved in situations because he was trying to be a good person, like, that's the one thing I will say, is Gaines was probably one of the, like, most decent people on the show uh, for all other things. Like, the fact that he sees, he's driving down the street and he sees someone's lights are still on in their car, and his first thought is, I'm going to jimmy their door open and turn their lights off so that their battery doesn't die when they're leaving for work tomorrow. Um, Shit like that. Uh, oh, how he handles like the domestic violence case uh, and tries to get them into separate rooms, but because he's being polite to the woman, uh, he almost gets shot. Like it was a whole bunch of Gaines is absolutely going to try and do something nice for someone. It's going to get taken the wrong way, and he's going to get fucking shot for his behavior. And that's the thing. I think the Gaines and Rose like side plot was my favorite one outside of the main one, and unfortunately, it just kind of disappears after the homeless one. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, at that point, it kind of just... Like, there are some other side plots going on, but it starts to more heavily focus on the LaRusso one at yeah. that point. But yeah, I have to agree with you. Like, uh, Gaines and Rose are probably my favorite pairing and some of my favorite stories. Uh, 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 just to call another great, great Gaines one is one of his songs where he's in the parking structure and he can't remember where he parked his car and it's just like this three-minute song of him like just talking about things and then he finally finds his car and realizes he doesn't have his keys. Yes. Oh, <laughs> God. I also get the feeling like, uh, as I said earlier on when we were started talking about this, a lot of times you get the feeling that like, a lot of them are played as soliloquies, and, like, it's not actually the character uh, singing out loud. Yeah. Uh, it's their inner monologue just being presented as song. Except for the one time when we see the governor, uh, guy running for governor, start singing. That's very clearly an in-universe song. Uh, Gaines, I fully assume every single time he was singing, it was in character. And it was not an inner monologue type situation. I fully assume, especially because I... Suppose his first introduction was in the first episode. I forgot about that or didn't realize that was Gaines. Um, so my first introduction to Gaines was when he was uh, just had gotten assigned to be Potts' partner, and he was singing about Motown in a car oh, no, while they were driving around. Partner Potts was uh, yeah Rose. Sorry, Rose, not Potts. Um, yeah, so him fucking singing uh, to Rose about Motown and shit. I was like, man, this character is one of the few characters who probably would sing his emotions out loud every chance he fucking got. Break out the song and dance in the middle of the precinct. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and then, of course, uh, another subplot that we have talked about a bit was the one between the mayor and the chief of police, which, again, is probably the most wild. But funny enough, I think the chief of police went through, like, the most, like, character development out of everybody. Yeah, he he had a whole fucking story, man. I don't think he, I don't think, like, he himself as a person got better, but he at least realized he was a bad person to a degree and wanted to get better. <laughs> Yeah. You just didn't yeah, I, have enough energy to get better. I Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's not that he got better, it's that he recognized that he probably should get better. Yeah. Then we also had the... Uh, oh god, I have to remember multiple names now. Um, uh, describe them, I remember uh, the names. 
Vicky and Andy, uh, as well as her husband, um, fuck. What was the name? Her husband. What was uh, Vic? Vicky's husband's name. I'm pretty sure it's Ralph, isn't it? It might be Ralph. Yeah, Ralph Ruskin. There it is. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the plotline of like Ruskin initially just singing Vicky's praises, but not having enough time for her because they're both super busy with work. To Ruskin getting increasingly fucking uh, jealous of Campo because he can tell that he has a bit of a relationship with Vicky and assumes they've started sleeping together. Um. Which that I, one was. I am glad that it didn't end with uh, Andy and uh, Vicky getting together, because I feel like that kind of ruins the story. Yeah. I liked the like playful flirting between them, and the fact that like Andy clearly wanted something to happen, and Vicky was clearly like, nothing's ever going to happen between us, but thank you for saying that. Um, the fucking one scene where uh, Ruskin... Uh, so, uh, after... Uh, no, I'm thinking of the one where after Vicky gets uh, shot and Ruskin overhears uh, fucking Andy confesses love to her and starts plotting to murder Andy. That was uh, that was a fun scene. My favorite scene from that plot line is when he's, he's following them and they pull up to the motel and he sees them go into the motel and he's like, ah, in the middle of their work shift, they're going to be fornicating in this room. I'll see about that. And he runs into the room with a gun kicking the door down and there's just a dead old guy in lingerie on the bed. Yeah, it's like, they're cops entering a motel in the middle of their shift, and you jump to the conclusion of they're fucking, and not they're resolving a case that involves this motel. But then, like, Vicky, like, I actually enjoyed, like, her response. It's like, are we gonna do, shoot us, or is it just gonna be one of us? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> Didn't have a plan. Uh, yeah, Ralph started off as a character I enjoyed, and I just started like finding him so annoying as the story went on. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I liked him initially, and the more I saw of him, the less I liked him. A character that kind of did the opposite, where they didn't really get my attention, but as it went on, I ended up liking them more and more. Uh, was uh, let me find it here. Uh, Bob McIntyre. Uh, that's the vice uh, detective. Uh, the one whose uh, story is he's a vegetarian. Oh, yes, fuck. I remember him now. Yeah, um, yeah Bob was, like, a, a silent, like, champ in that whole story. Because he actually had some really good storylines, too. Like, uh, there was the one about the actress and the stalker. Yep. Where the actress was trying to, like, trick him into killing the stalker. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was actually... <laughs> That was one of those plot lines where I did not see where it was going when it started going there. I assumed it was going to be the stalkers going to end up killing her because the police don't pay enough attention and that's when they realize they need to start paying more attention and that's just not where it fucking went and it was a fucking ride to get there. Yeah, and uh, he was also in the uh, child kidnapping storyline a little bit uh, and he also plays a lot a uh, bigger role in the end of the season uh, with a lot of the like drug-related crime stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think he actually like was probably like one of like the really interesting parts of the story that didn't get to pop up a lot, but when he did, it was always great. Yeah, he uh, was never the center of attention, really, but he did a lot of stuff that made me want to see more of him. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of all the side plot lines, uh, really, and then... Obviously, it was the big main plot line with uh, the courtroom stuff going on for the last half of the story. Yeah. The will they, won't they with, uh, is Potts going to give testimony at the trial? The literal burning crosses that he's uh, having to deal with. Uh, now, there is something funny I did notice about this, and I'm curious if you guys got <laughs> I'm it. sorry, Keith, but you can't say there's something funny as soon as we finish talking about burning crosses. <laughs> but yes, go on. Um. So, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but the show didn't have a big cast, you know? Yeah, it was a fairly small group of actors. But I mean, like, even the background cast was small. And I'm not sure if you guys noticed this, but 
there were quite a few actors that were reused as different characters throughout the season. Wait, really? Um, would you be shocked if I told you that Glenn is in more uh, storylines than just the baby merchant stuff? And what if I told you that in uh, later scenes after the baby merchant story is revolved, uh, Glenn is just a background extra in the police station in full uniform? Glenn is a cop? Yep, uh, he's a cop with, uh, I think, because they, they put makeup on him, but he's wearing very thick glasses and he has big bushy hair. But it's him. Have he to... has a singing number in the last episode when uh, LaRusso comes back to the office. The cop with the glasses and the big fuzzy hair, it's him. Oh my god. And he's in the background for a lot of scenes between that. <laughs> I'm going to have know, to go back and rewatch. Because everyone is singing their own stuff. Like No one is being dubbed over. So I yeah. think they were just limited on actors who could sing that they had. They had to reuse people. That's that That's makes fair, sense, I suppose. I uh, another one, uh, considering we we're just talking about the Bob McIntyre story, the actress also reappears a few times. Uh, she's one of the vice female detectives. That I did notice. I yeah. didn't notice uh, Baby Merchant Glenn coming back, but I did notice her having a couple different roles. Fuck, now I have to go back and watch the Ties... Yeah, that's the song. Ties That Bind. Uh, and see if I can pick them out. Yeah, it was... Uh, I, I had to stop and like pause the scene and look at it again. It's like, wait a second. Was, was that Glenn? Uh, do you guys have any favorite songs? Uh, see, that's hard, because my... Like, in my heart, my favorite's Baby Merchant, but I feel like I should have a non-Baby Merchant favorite song. Um, so give me a second to think about that, and I'll get back to you. Yeah, I was going to bring this up as a question at the end, just in case there wasn't any questions that we could think of. But mine, particularly, mainly because I've only seen the first episode, is definitely the opening theme, Under the Gun. Yeah, I, I was watching, and then I was like, wait, is that is that Randy Newman? It is Randy oh, Newman. Oh yeah, 100% Randy Newman, under the gun. Uh, yeah, fucking fantastic. And I had that exact same reaction to the first time I heard it. I was like, wait, <laughs> was so is confused. that Randy Newman? Yeah, I was like, Why is just... Randy Newman working on the show? <laughs> what the fuck's going on? Also, I do have to say, as much as I found the He's Guilty song, Right out of left field. That's fair. It was kind of enjoyable to listen to. Yeah. Uh, I really liked For the Record. Uh, I think I'm going to go with uh, my non-favorite, uh, my non-Baby Merchant favorite song is uh, Can't Keep a Good Man Down, the one where LaRusso's first in jail. Uh, yeah. Singing about how he's going to get through this and his life's going to get back on track. Because he shot a man who was handcuffed together. I don't know if he can fit the description of a good man, but <laughs> sure, yeah, let's go with that. Uh, another good one, actually, that uh, was a bit surprising that it was so good was She's the One, when she takes the bribe in the first episode. Yeah. I also, uh, I don't know if I liked the song or if I enjoyed the theatrics of what was happening during the song, uh, but Perfection, the song that the plastic surgeon sings when he's giving the mayor plastic <laughs> yeah, that surgery. That was such a weird one. <laughs> Yeah, that one made me feel weird, but uh, I remember it very clearly, so I guess that counts for something. The one that's stuck in my head is, Bigger's always better when it's under the sweater. Yes! <laughs> oh, God. I was like, wait, what? Alright. Uh, uh, so there... There's something I think we need to talk about before we wind down, and that is the ending of the series, which is just very abrupt. So the show was cancelled, and the ending of the episode is it's uh, Osborne and uh, the mayor, or not the mayor, the chief of police, sitting in a room as their actors, saying, man, I can't believe they cancelled us. What? Yeah, it's a very meta-final scene where they all sing We Will Ride Again as, like, the final song. Uh, oh my god. Uh, it, it's them singing, like, their final goodbye as all the cast are in the chief of police's office. And they're just all singing. Uh, wait, no, it's not we're writing it. It's when the fat lady sings. That's it. Yeah. And they just acknowledge that like the show was canceled and that it's over, which then opens up this like this is why like this was like the sold me. It's David Lynch esque, which is that everyone in this movie or show is aware <laughs> that they're in a musical. 
Okay. Uh, As yes, canon. That's true. Uh, it was cancelled, so who cares if they fuck with the canon on the last episode. I just did a bit more reading. Uh, Randy Newman won an Emmy for this show. Oh, yeah. So... A hundred percent. That's fucking beautiful. That under the gun won him an Emmy. I love it. Well, it was an amazing song, and it's Randy Newman. Yeah, oh, I completely agree. It's just <laughs> let me correct that. I'm... It's the '90s Randy Newman. Yeah, it's true. Everyone wanted a piece of the Newman. Yeah, and uh, this show took uh, about twenty-two million dollars to produce. Uh, and the funny thing about this. Uh, you might think I'm crazy, but I think this might have just been ahead of its time, honestly. I, oh, yeah, if this show was I, made today, it would have, like, blown up. Oh, yeah. I 100% sure. agree. If this movie came out... To, uh, not movie. If this TV show, show aired the first episode today, everyone would be talking about it. It would... It feels very much like one of those Netflix sleeper hits where, like, everyone's talking about Tiger King or some shit. I feel like they would not market this show at all. They could release it today... And everyone would be like, oh my god, have you fucking seen Cop Rock? Yeah, within a month, everyone would have seen it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, So, unfortunately, I think there was a lot of good plot lines they were setting up for future seasons, where some things weren't fully resolved. Uh, I'm not going to be the person like, it has to get remade, or anything like that, but... I I will, it has to get remade. If if they continued on, like, or remade or anything, I would definitely watch it again. But it, I think it's still good, even just with the one season. Yeah, I think it stands well. Uh, it stands perfectly fine on what it has. I think it would be cool for them to remake it. I think it would do well, but I don't think. Well, it was produced by Fox, which means Disney now owns it, so they love musicals. Hmm. Is Larissa a Disney princess? Uh, see, here's what we need. I think we need James Gunn to be involved with making a movie version of this. Um. But I think he needs some of his Suicide Squad energy, and just like people die in the middle of singing a song, and it just the song abruptly ends when it happens. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the one thing I was thinking of, it does I feel work really well on its own with that one season because they do wrap up, which did feel like the central story, which was the Larusso story. But at the yeah. same time, because it was only one season, and they were trying to set up future plot lines with other characters. I feel like knowing that it's only the one season, those side plots feel like they take a lot of story away that could have been used to make the main story better. That's fair. Um, I can definitely see how you would feel that way. Uh, I don't know. I feel like given a chance to do it again, I feel like even they could keep those plot lines and it would be well, obviously not those exact plot lines, uh, but like a similar idea of having those side plot lines setting up stuff for the future. The thing I like about this show is it covered some very heavy shit. Like we listened, uh, not listened, we listed several fucking dark, heavy topics that this show fucking was comfortable handling. And like, there's a lot of dark, heavy shit happening with police in the world right now. So having a show that's comfortable handling those topics, but also being a musical could be a very good thing. Yeah, for the it world. was like, I was like, some of the stuff was like, whoa, this is like surprisingly topical for like ongoing stuff. Or like, yeah. the, there's the scene in the bar with Gaines where it's the other cop where he's like, the song's I'm not racist, but. Yeah. Oh, that line. That whole fucking song. Yeah. Also, Gaines is just like, you're a jerk. It just leaves. <laughs> Gaines is too pure for this world. Gaines is absolutely the best character in this series. Oh, 100%. Gaines and then Hollander was probably my second favorite. I will admit I did not like Hollander at first. Um, I think part of me liked LaRusso, uh, at least after the first episode. Oh yeah, the and first episode of ad- LaRusso was great, and then he just was an asshole. Yeah, I liked LaRusso after the first episode, and disliked uh, Hollander uh, initially. And then as the show went on, they just swapped. It was like, ah, oh, man, LaRusso's a real dick. Thank God Hollander's here to keep him in fucking check. Alright, uh, do we have anything else to talk about the show itself? Uh, no, mm. after talking about the end, that was kind of the end of it for me. Cool. <laughs> uh, well then, as a question... 
I, I enjoyed Matt's theoretical question of what um, was your favorite song, but I think a different question we could be asking is what sort of procedural would you like to see turned into a musical in the future? Like uh, fire department procedural musical or like a hospital like ER type musical? Let me I'm know. I'm sure that one exists somewhere. I mean, there's that episode of Scrubs where... I was about to mention that episode of Scrubs, yeah. Uh, but the yeah. the only guy that's been inside of me. <laughs> Did surgery. Stop saying it like that. <laughs> I took out his pancreas. Um, yeah, so let me know another type of TV show that you would like turned into a musical. That's my question. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 have, I actually have an answer for that one. Okay. Uh, so you know how I mentioned before there's the Scream TV show? Yes. I, I want a murder mystery slasher, but it's a musical. So it's the part oh where the God. person's hiding from the killer, and then they just break into song. You see, I would love that uh, if the killer also broke out into song, and everyone around town was like, man, I wonder who the killer is. It's so mysterious. And it's just like, it's the person who's singing. You should very clearly recognize their singing voice. They're singing right now. How can you not figure it out? I think that'd be very fun for it'd me. Be, oh, it'd be really nice, too, if they heavily lean into the fact that, yes, it's a musical. So someone starts singing in a chase scene, and then the killer's like, oh, god damn it, and then begrudgingly <laughs> joins it in. You see, the thing about that is, though, uh, where you mentioned it would immediately give away who the killer is. Not necessarily, because even with Scream, they have a different actor doing the voice of Ghostface, who's not the actual person under the costume, right? So you could still have <laughs> it set up where it's a different person singing. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I don't mean uh, us, the audience, should be able to figure out. I just mean the idea of in-world, a killer chasing you while singing, and you knowing the killer not being able to recognize the voice would be quite amusing to me. So. Yeah, it would be a different singer, and we, the audience, would not be able to figure out who the killer is based on the singing voice. I just like the idea of a killer chasing you singing and you not being able to recognize their voice, even though you're they're one of your close personal friends. Yep. Alrighty then. Uh, Instagram, did anyone correctly guess this episode? Uh, let me just take a quick look here. <laughs> I suppose our last episode as well, if they managed to guess that one before it went live. Uh, no one has correctly guessed the last two episodes, no. Okay. Uh, any answers to our question from last episode? Uh, so when asked about what a book, game, or whatever they would like to have adapted to the series, uh, we had no answers. What a surprise. Huh. Fair. All right. Uh, in that case, let's do some recommendations. Uh, Matt, what do you recommend? Yes, I'm going to recommend the uh, the game that's been taking up most of my time recently. That recently just came out. It's uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. All right. Because it is actually fantastic. A nice breath of fresh air for the Pokemon series. What? It's Breath of the Wild, but Pokemon? I guess you could say that. And I mean, literally, you'd drop into the game and you're told okay um you're new here so we're going to test you out if you can do the work here you're good you can stay but if you can't do the work if you can't pass our test we're going to kick you out of the village and you're probably going to die fuck harsh harsh for a pokemon game for them to uh, interact with what I assume is probably roughly a 10 year old based on my experience with Pokemon games 15 actually in this oh game. 15 this time uh, I guess that's a little bit better of an age to be telling them that if they can't put in enough work in society they will be killed yeah. off does that mean as Pokemon society grew their uh, qualms about sending children out got worse <laughs> I, um, I think it, it's it more eventually turns since, into 10 year olds I think since the, I think it's the fact that as society grew and the world became more safe, because in Pokemon Legends Arceus, it's obviously in the past, and everyone is terrified of Pokemon. I'm gonna level with you. I don't think the world is safe in future Pokemon games. Oh no, there's a lot of real fucked no. up shit going on. Crime syndicates everywhere. They're giving literal gods to ten-year-olds. Fair enough. Sounds like a delight. Keith, what's your recommendation? 
So for my recommendation, which might upset some people because of the comparison I'm making, but if you liked Cop Rock, you should definitely check out The Wire. <laughs> I don't disagree. I <laughs> highly look forward to people hearing that and getting mad at you. No, no, you got hear me out. Like, if you take the music out, I think the story in Cop Rock is, like, proto The Wire. Yeah. I can see how you would feel that way. Hmm. Um, my recommendation uh, is for a new Netflix series that started airing today, I believe, um, called uh, Murderville. Um, it's another uh, police procedural where they're solving crimes, uh, except this one's a very silly version, unlike Cop Rock, which takes itself very seriously. Uh, and the whole idea of Murderville uh, is it's Will Arnett, Will Arnett playing the character of Terry Seattle, a grizzled police detective who's solving crimes. Um, but every episode, they have a different celebrity guest star on who's also helping Will Arnett solve these crimes. Sorry, helping Terry Seattle solve these crimes. Um, and the show is very scripted in what everyone's doing except for the celebrity guest. The celebrity guest is just kind of dropped in and they have to figure out the crime at the same time as everyone watching the show. So it's <laughs> improv for a celebrity guest and very serious matters for everyone else on the show. Uh, quite enjoyable. Oh, I, look, I want to actually watch it. That sounds really funny. Alright, uh, in that case, uh, let us move on towards the end of this episode. So, quickly just want to thank everyone for listening to our episode today. Uh, remember that you can find our podcast on all major podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that jazz. Also, you can probably find jazz on those platforms as well if you're like interested in jazz. I don't know why I'm talking about jazz now. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube. Uh, we don't have a video recording of our podcast, but we do upload our podcast to YouTube where you can listen to the audio and look at a neat picture while you're doing it. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram. That's the easiest way to interact with us by fire. We make posts whenever we record that allow you to directly interact with us. Uh, and remember, you can always reach out to us via email at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. That's whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. All those words spelt the way they normally are. Uh, so if you have any questions you want us to answer, or if you have an idea of what our podcast should be about, uh, be sure to reach out and tune back in. Uh, yeah, so tune back in in a fortnight for our next episode. Uh, what was our next episode going to be about? Was this how we did it? Uh, it's been too long. I just, just let me. Can, can I think on this for a little while? Oh uh, yeah, let's absolutely think on this because I think we forgot to plan a hint. We decided yeah, yeah. Topic and forgot to plan a hint. Uh, uh, well, we don't wait. Just don't let, tell the person to decide it. They think of it while we do the episode. Yeah, let, let's just leave. Let's just leave this here, and we'll we'll just end this episode here. Uh, enjoy it. Thanks for watching. And uh, I'm just gonna go find myself something to read. None of that gets cut out. None of it. <laughs>